cost drifted alarmingly in the betting was, you know, fancy in the morning continued to drift. It was late on the on the exchanges to, to lose. It was something you'd see in a, in a Dick Francis novel, Charles Bottoms. And a very warm welcome on this very cold Sabbath. This is the Bastards Inquiry Sunday Sermon. My name's Lee Keys of systembet.co.uk and joining me is uh, my partner in crime, as always, John Lang of John Joe's Blogspot. John, good afternoon on this cold day. Good afternoon, Lee. Happy Sunday, everyone. Good, af- good afternoon. We've got some fabulous topics. And also joining us today again is Lorne Malver, who is very popular with some of our our listeners. Um, get some good fan mail for Lorne. I'm not boosting up too much, but no, um, I think so. I don't, I'd want pain otherwise. <laughs> good afternoon, sir. I mean, what, what one of the one of the questions from uh, one of the fanboys was, "What's does Lorne really look like? His uh, profile picture on the Bar Stewards website?" Oh, yeah. No, no, no. So I, so I said, no. I said, if you can imagine, you know, a, a grey haired, you know, sort yeah. of aging man, pair of Wranglers, nine, yeah. 1990s Volvo, as he's polishing the bonnet, pride and joy, you know, yeah, in the country. And uh, he's got, the, he's got Gen- Genesis, Genesis blasting out at no, full blast. Not That's, true. That, Mexican gangbanger with a Chevy and Parler that bounces up and down. That's me. Heavily tattooed, the lot. That's me. Lee told me that the uh, the website picture had been airbrushed. Yeah, it has. Yeah, I mean, you never get. It's like you know, I, I'm catfishing women with that picture. When I when I turn up, I'm even worse. Than oh, I, you'll get plenty with that. <laughs> I bet I would. I bet that's very very right. nice of you. But yeah. It's, it's an accurate representation. On with today's show. And today's show is sponsored by uh, Tarquin's Gin at 57% Navy strength, which I can guarantee this is my Christmas tip. If the in-laws come round, make sure that's their aperitif. They'll sleep for hours. On to the racing. Uh, we've got a fantastic show. And we're going to cover off the weekend action. Obviously, today at Fairy House, the Bar One Festival. Anything that me and John saw of interest uh yesterday obviously we got the the, the big newbury meeting which was uh was rather, rather i enjoyed it i enjoyed the racing yesterday I t- our tipping was absolutely dreadful but we did have some shocking luck uh poor andy with the remastered in the hennessy that was that was soul destroying for andy john you know i mean soul destroying wasn't the word was it i mean it was gonna win i think so i mean i mean the snout the snout's been on you know, bursting, bursting about his, his second. But I, I mean, let's be fair. The snout would have been third, and and you know, and I mean, not not much of a price in the end. So terrible info from the snout, John. What with the fiddler on the roof? Yeah, which standard we couldn't expect over the years, really. <laughs> These import merchants. This, this, this yeah. is what you get. But yeah, I mean, like covering off Newbury yesterday. I mean, highlights for me, I would say, was the very impressive and exuberant performance from Ahoy Senor, the, 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 the galloping, the, the style, everything else, you know, I, the, does that go to Kempton, John, do you think, on Boxing Day, Ahoy Senor? You'd have to be, I mean, I mean flat, flat track, out and away, bowling along, jumping well, got plenty of pace, plenty of boot, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, where else would you go? In all fairness, yeah, he's put those to the sword. Lovely. I mean, for a novice as well, the time was pretty decent. Uh, it's about, about 10 seconds slower than standard, I think. You know, on the Billy Idol in the end, uh, with no pressure. Cap course won the Sir Peter O'Sullivan. Your tip, John, in the mentions. We, we've got to boast something because we've nothing <laughs> much to shout about. And Cap course, as John Wright Fleet rightly said on the show, was the JP McManus. In the in the Sir Peter O'Sullivan colours, doing the business really easily. I bet you enjoyed that though, and I bet you had a few quid on John. Really few quid, really few. Nowhere near enough. Offset the damage done by artists like the Longsden one in the rehearsal and others. Other less illustrious mentions. Yeah, and in typical bastard style, we had the um, head-to-head, me and you, going head-to-head with uh, Masters Legacy and Handsome. We both sat there, probably with about three to jump, thinking it could be me and you hand in hand. And then up pops the Twister with the, with Earl of the Cotswolds and, uh, you know, spoils the party and very upsetting for both of us, that finish. Uh, totally. I mean, uh, any, anything but the other one, really. And there you go. <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're, we're not getting down to any good hand at the minute. No, I don't think so. I, th- I think we do a change of look because we've had some good calls, but just not quite getting paid. As Quentin Frank streaks clear at the top of the table, he'll be laughing his head off. In He's in Canada at the moment. He'll be absolutely laughing his head off. Anything else on Saturday at Newbridge on that, that took your eye or anything anything for the future that ran on Saturday that you want to point out to, to our listeners? I thought the Willie Mullins Chavely Parkard showed promise for an extreme distance in the in the sea. They had that a long way back and steadily up the straight as well as looking for another mile, really. I wouldn't break that one off on, on the basis of it getting big there. But I think I think that was about it. Yeah, I, I think I think I think on the on the ropes. Don't forget, I think it's quite. I think it's still quite raw in experience. It's took it's took a long time to get the hang of things, and mm. and I think I think I think it was probably a step too much too soon. It's quite weak on the off on the ropes on the machine, and um, yeah. But but I, I agree with you. I think there's something there for the future. Il Ridotto won very impressively with the four year old allowances in in the finale. That that you could tell that I'd won from about three to jump. The uh, Owned by is it all the all the lads, Jed Mason and, and company, owning a nice horse there to go to war with. Did you see that race? Yeah, nice seeing everyone that Ferguson involved in that shit. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll never forget him. He's conduct over Rocket Gibraltar. I mean, gets it for now and then. But that was a tempted stallion, yeah. Yeah, well. <laughs> well. <laughs> well. Yeah, the old Rocket Gibraltar. I forgot about that. Yeah, the old uh, debate on 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 stallion uh, debentures. And, <laughs> and 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 Fergie wanted his cut of the pie. <laughs> I know. Yeah, interesting. Come, come on, lads. I've had no doubt. Yeah. New, go over to Newcastle then, where I was actually surprised the meeting went ahead. Uh, n- n- nothing wrong with the meeting either, really. So I, I was just surprised, given the forecast and everything, like the winds, and the, obviously they had another inspection in the morning just to check, and you're thinking, hmm, this might be dodgy. But but obviously no problems. Uh, anything anything there, John, uh, that you want to comment on? I was just a bit surprised your Cobus Cross got paid, to be honest. 
again on the floor. We're all on the floor. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing with this is the thing, Johnny. You know, like if, if ever like punters think, ah, oh, they're idiots. These. I mean, I mean, <laughs> they've got a point. To be fair, I mean, I was, I was, I was on that quite heavily. You know, no layouts on the machine or anything. It was just like, well, you know, this is one. It, it, it's gone to the front. He's it, tuck it up, lovely, and then. Back comes the rag and, and beats it quite comfortably in the end, and, and I, I I was in shock I was, again on the floor, and then and then put on the floor, you know, it's just. Unbelievable! We got the tail shit out of it, mate. Early on, I mean, yeah. Oh, Mr. Sydney folded up like a cardboard box, as predicted. It should have been playing sailing from there on in. Yeah, I think that's obviously okay. got wind issues uh, to Pella. That, that it, it's it's obviously not not a shit house. It, we said it's soft, but I reckon that's got really bad wind issues the way that stopped. And and Valeria's just tried to kill itself after about about two or three fences and tried to do the same again next time round as if as if it was on, as if it was on suicide watch. And that was well beat. And we'd done all we'd done the hard work. We'd done we'd done the hard yards, and then and then that happens. But that that sort of summed up. Batting fifth, John. Epiton and not so sleepy the daddy. A lot of punters had had had, had gone balls deep on the machine, uh, like tens on and 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 stuff back in Epiton in the furter and uh, ends up with a daddy. It's honest to say, had to see JP and Nicky miss out, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> nice ass that not so sleepy. But I don't know whether it's a champion hurdle candidate. No, no, I don't. Th- I don't think any of these will be uh, worrying the judge, especially leading on nicely onto today's fair and uh, at Fairy House, and obviously Honeysuckle, the blogger, ev- all the National Hunt wagons out there punting. They they, they were on uh, Honeysuckle, uh, obviously very very well backed today, blasted into two to five from uh, from the four to seven uh, available. Bet bloggers had the four to seven. Into two to five and one one as one as she liked. My my view was Abracadabras was racing with the ambulance for most of the way, and then decided, oh yeah, let's uh, let's have a go from the street. I'm not sure how off Abracadabras was really. I don't know what that was. They must have they must have given the front two or three probably what 20, 20 lengths, maybe more start. It was quite incredible the way the race was run. Thoughts on that, Joe? Well, I think anybody that was it. Privy to the riding instructions pre-race for the market rivals, will have probably back the winner. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then we got some good racing there today. The Royal Bond novice for me was slowly run and unsatisfactory. I think. Do you know what? I'll give give the Irish some credit. We always give the Irish some hammer for their for their uh, substance abuse. But let's give them some credit here. Like a lot of their races over there are quite slowly run or can be. And the, the the Royal Bond for me was an example of that with Statuaire literally literally winning a two furlong sprint. I was quite surprised how slow they went in that. And that's typical of a lot of Irish racing. Uh, any views on that, John? Yeah, I mean, I think our races run, it's just really you look on the day, you know, I mean, you usually bank on a bit of pace if the same stable as two or three. And again, as long as it's one of the big stables, again, they waste one, dog. They don't. Into mind doing that. I yeah, uh, the the one I really fancied the Royal Bond was a, a non-runner, three straight life. Oh, ah, yeah, yeah, pulled out, yeah. yeah. I was busting to back that today. Um, I thought that showed a lot of promise in the bumper last year. I was really keen to see how it done. I mean, Mighty Potter in that's one to take out of that for me because I still think he's quite raw on experience, and I do think he's more of a stouter stain type than any others in that, and. 
Mighty Potter for me is the one I'm excited about going forwards in a more truly run race for your, for your notebooks. So Mighty Potter, that's the one to take out of that race for me. Um, that didn't really get the run of the race at all. In the Drimmore, uh, Beacon Edge winning. I know Andy was quite negative on this. And I, to, be, to be fair, it looked a million in running and then just got up close home. A bit unsatisfactory sort of race for me. Fury Road looking a complete hound, travelling and then finding nothing. But Beacon Edge uh, broke the hearts of Gabby Nacko backers who had done a lot of things right until a few late mistakes in the race. And then we moved on to the Powers Town, where me and you, John, both thought that my uh, sort of one-point bet for the weekend, Coco Beach, even though he was fairly well beaten in six in the end, we both liked the horse. Well, you did. You you said to me, I really like this horse on looks today, Coco Beach. Yeah, um, yeah I just think uh, it's a nice horse. Travelled nice, don't nice. Not the road to Doncaster, the road to Aintree. No. Yes, you'd be a standard as a six-year-old so it's got its life in front of it at the moment you know it's not one of these sort of eight nine-year-old slow maturing types it's six-year-old it's had a first season chasing season they went for the irish national which i said on friday was ambitious and literally now i think that wasn't quite cherry ripe today the market said that it was very weak and and the way it traveled and jumped and then just obviously got tired I, i generally think they've got a plan with that horse and I think whatever target they've got in mind, a staying event, probably with more value, don't forget that was €23,000 to the winner of that race today, they'll be thinking a bigger fish. Well, you would be. If you owned a 150-rated staying chaser with potential, you'd be thinking we want an 100K race plus. You know, there's plenty of those about later in the season and maybe they've got their mind on something else uh, with um, Coco Beach. So, Honeysuckle, obviously very impressive, and obviously everyone's waxing lyrical. Bloggers got amazing, thrilling uh, rocket machine uh, statuses for the next few days. So, good luck to him on that. So, that's the racing covered off. We've we've got plenty to talk about, so we'll move on from the racing. And bring Lorne Malvo into it, who's sat quietly listening to our rubbish um, <laughs> for the first first 15 minutes or so of the show. We're going to start off on National Hunt Racing, and I think, I think it's... I think it's a nice topic to follow on from obviously the weekend's racing and there's a there's a few we've got a few questions regarding the current state of play regarding national hunt racing and and obviously the first thing i want to touch on is the nikki henderson debate from from this week where obviously nikki henderson had the favorite for the tingle creek shishkin and then suddenly decided that he wouldn't be ready um and as julie pulled pulled the horse out what are you two two's thoughts uh, on this, I'll come to you, Lawn, first. The the withdrawal of Shishkin in the Tingle Creek. Well, I mean, I think racing Twitter is sort of divided into two camps, isn't it? Camp A says, you don't pay the bills. How many winners have you trained? And, you know, <laughs> he knows what's best for his horse and he's not going to risk a, a horse that he doesn't feel is right. So, so that's Camp A. The other camp is sort of the, those individuals who really think that, that, that those at the very top table have a wider obligation to create an engaging and compelling spectacle for the people that fund it, so punters, racegoers, etc. And their criticism is, is a sort of su- suggestion that actually there's fuck all wrong with the horse. He just didn't fancy the shape of the race, etc., etc., and so has used the horse's well-being as, a, a, as a, an excuse not to run it. And unfortunately, it does kind of follow a tried and trusted pattern, doesn't it? That everything is about Cheltenham 
Uh, but it's not just about Cheltenham. It's about trying to, to preserve a horse's unbeaten record. And so, you know, th- this is going to happen time and time again. And, and the net result of this, whether the horse is right or wrong, is just going to create pretty shit uh, sort of non-events prior to Cheltenham. So, so, so I'm sort of in in the second camp that I'm not quite buying the fact that the horse is, you know, not burning the gallops up and therefore, uh, you know, shouldn't run. So, so that, that, that's my take on it. I think Nicky Henderson has got a bit of a track record for not being particularly straightforward with the press, shall we say. But that, that's my view anyway. Yeah. Good. Uh, John, um, what would you, what would you describe the, uh... well, I think shit shows the operative. Yeah. <laughs> really. I mean, uh. As I said on Friday, I mean, I'm long past taking a blind bit of notice of anything he says. So yeah. it doesn't really matter to me what he says in the build-up to a race, whether he's at one going somewhere, somewhere else. Till I start studying the cards, maybe the 48-hour stage, have zero interest in him. Do we think, to a degree, though, because it's Henderson and he's got he's got previous for this, that that's why... The racing media in some in some quarters, and I'll say some quarters because I'll come on to Mark Mackay's question in a minute. Yeah. But in some in in, so, in some quarters, it, 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 is 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 this the the problem that it, because it's Henderson, he, he didn't he's do more... himself any favors, like, does he? Because I mean, no. the the certain ones, I mean, he's ridiculously rode to. I mean, he was pegging, and yeah, when LTR got took out, he was. Well, I mean, he just made an ass out of himself, right? He didn't insist on it was heavy ground. You know, yeah. I mean... I mean, so, so coming to, to Mark Mackay's question, which is, um, he, he, he mentions the discussion, are Nicky Henderson on the opening show? Now, I haven't seen the opening show, so I'm hoping both you have or yeah. one of you two have. Fitzgerald was utterly pathetic. Walsh is just a money grabber. Chapman stealing a living. What a farce of a panel. Racing refusing to see why the national hunt season in the UK is in crisis until the spring festivals. Um, incidentally, all of all three of them are paddy power peas. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you can't expect balanced commentary from Mick Fitzgerald because he is a long-term, in quote, servant of the Henderson camp. Is a regular visitor to Seven Barrow, so he's not going to take a stand, is he? Um, no. Matt Chapman, uh, I mean, I, I'm not a fan of his style of broadcasting. He, he reminds me of the sort of bloke in the office who, after a couple of pints, is a wanker. You know, <laughs> that kind of that kind of bore. He's sort of it's cringy. It's like, oh, fuck off. Do you know what I mean? It, 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 it's not my kind yeah. of style of broadcasting. And Ruby Walsh, I'm not a fan of particularly as well. I mean, I think he's just a miserable sod. Uh, I don't know whether he's a money grabber or not. I, I dare say he probably doesn't need the money. But uh, on that panel, you're, you're not going to get any any uh, sort of objective debate about it. That They are going to close ranks, and they did, um, because everything in racing is great. And how many winners have you trained? Uh, and, you know, oh, yeah. actually, Oliver Sherwood actually said that, didn't they? In, in a Oliver Sherwood, yeah, actually, actually came back at Lydia. Um, on Twitter this week and said the very thing that all these people that are commenting on this, you know, how many winners have you? He actually said that. And and I, and I think it's the most cringeworthy thing that anyone can ever say. And uh, I know Oliver's not been very well, so I wish him well. Um, you know, yeah. like I know he's had some health health issues in the past, yeah. so I'm not. I'm certainly not going to pile on the man. When, but but certainly that was ill. 
I don't. I just. I just think ill thought out. I. I get what he's trying to say that if the horse isn't right, um, you, th- there's not much point in in, in saying we're going to run. I, I get that. I get. I, I get. It's not. You know. You get a niggle with a national hunt horse, but I. I gen- I mean, looking back in the day, I. I. I, I follow a chap called Joe Porter on Twitter. And I think one day me and John would quite like him on on the show, really, because he, he's racing orientated and he produces these like old fashioned race cards, you know, in from the papers of the past, 80, 1987 Tingle Creek, nineteen ninety King George, and you see what was running back then. It's quite nostalgic to, and then you see how many coconuts and how many runs horses had had that were good horses, but they didn't they didn't mind back then having a spin. They didn't mind. Oh, what is all this like unbeaten rubbish? What is all this one one one? Why does a horse have to remain unbeaten? I've never understood why. Uh, it's, it's, it, I mean, they'll be back next year. It's not a problem. You know, if you retire winning twenty two from twenty two races, you can't go to stud. It's not you know you're not going to make fortune. You know it's. I, I don't quite get it. John, your thoughts? I don't even know if detecting unbeaten records to that extent. I think they just get the wind up a bit and think the be all and I mean, the be all and the legitimate this year over the championship. If he doesn't think the horse wants a fairly hard race, which chances are it would have got if he turned up against one of Willie's. Um, if he doesn't factor that into its programme leading up in Cheltenham, so well, I'm fairly ambivalent about it. You know what I mean? I'm not one of these that think they have to turn up to keep the show on the road, you know? I think if, if races start turning into farces, like say the Tingle Creek becomes a lot over God forbid, you know, turning into a limited handicap or something, you know? I mean, they, they have the scope to change things. If they want to, which I think it's not the bill. Yeah, you know, as, as I say, I'm really not asked what Nicky Anderson has to say about anything. And, no. and less so, his apologists like Mick Fit. So, you know, I just, I hit the meow button. You know, I mean, I like Ruby I mean, as an analyst. You know, I, I like listening to him going through races and what have you. He wouldn't be someone I would take a blind bit of notice of on. I wouldn't market racing or racing politics or anything like that because I'm sure he'd go near to but I think he's an excellent race analyst. And as for the other fellow, well, forget it. I mean, going forwards on this, what about the Tingle Creek, John? Remember in back in the day it used to be a limited handicap and mm. obviously it was like, you know, this is this is an event where you can you can sort of I don't know. Turn up. In fact, that's what we should do. It should be a limited handicap because I genuinely feel that you could have a top class uh, two mile chaser that's going. That's you could even say it's having a prep race. This is this is its journey to Doncaster, um, and, <laughs> and 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 basically it might need the run. I mean, are the Irish laughing at us here? Because we had this stupid gallops morning at Newbury televised on uh, racing TV. Yeah, are the Irish just laughing at us? I mean, I mean, look at the Irish today. In in the Royal Bond, they get all the best. Yeah, young, they, want, young they want to be picking out, isn't they? Away. You, yeah, you know. they, they want to find out who, who who can do what. Can this can this has this horse got to turn a foot? Can this horse sprint in a in a, in a two mile? They they know their they know their hands a lot better than we do. By the yeah. time Cheltenham comes around, irrespective of whether you think there's any artificial yeah, so carrots going in there. The, the Irish have had some serious time trials. Meanwhile, in the UK, 
to testing out Formula One cars by putting them in and out of the garage. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I could solve this. You want to get Mark Johnson, get a national hunt license, Shiskin to run fucking nine times by now. <laughs> <laughs> There's every chance it'd be rated 128 oh, and yeah. trying to trying to win at Leicester. Definitely. <laughs> That'd have been run half a dozen times by now since August. <laughs> That's how you do it. We're making all in the mouth of their sleep, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, hurdles, chases, long distance. You have the lot, honestly. Run the guts out of it. I mean, obviously, the problem National Hunt Racing has got, obviously, is outside forces in terms of if if we start banning things in racing. I'm a, I mean, John Hines, who's a very good listener of ours and, and, a, and a very good contributor to some threads of ours and, and, and talks racing, um, he's he's very anti-whip, but I would say before they, they come for the whip, uh, the outside racing crowd might might even come for national hunt racing first. Because to argue that the current whip rules, for example, and or the, the it's, it's a pro cush if you like, you know, it's it's not it's not like the old whip. That's more cruel than making a horse, you know, burn its tendons out, you know, like all its life. You, you, you can have several debates about this, but na- if they come for anything, it has to be National Hunt Racing. I'm sorry to say to National Hunt fans, but that is how it is. If so, if the wider social demographic, if that's how if that's how we're playing now, and we're not going to ignore them, and we're, not, we're just going to like, like you said, John, John's always been an advocate of the BHA, just ignoring the outside world and saying, well, they're not, they, they don't like the sport anyway, so what's the point? And I'm in John's camp. But, the point is, if they are going to take on board what the outside world thinks about racing, national hunt racing surely has a limited shelf life, chaps. Well, that's the trouble as well, you see. They've already opened the door to the outside world because they've provided these sops on the, the whip issue. Now, John, yeah. get me on. I'm, I'm not saying we should still be using the three foot one to whalebone that you can spice bacon with. That's completely wrong was never really right in my opinion but once you've opened the door to like the RSPCA animates on they will keep pushing and I think it showed in the uh, the national the year year ever so many were pulled up you know I mean and then they were saying well it's too far you can't can't expect them to run that far that's why so many had pulled up not applauding the fact that jockeys had taken the welfare decision not to try and complete so you you re- literally can't do right for going wrong with a lot of these people. You know, yeah. I mean, I do respect the rios on the whip and things like that. I personally don't agree with them, but I mean, I, I think there's room for debate them. Once that debate has been had, we need to close the door on the subject. You know, you just can't keep going round in circles, knocking two or three strikes off the permissible limit every time you the discussion. I mean, I mean D- Damiano says, go, so going back to the festival, a new rule that a horse has to have a qualifying numbers to get into any race uh, to the festival to boost field sizes. So what he's saying is that on the on the national hunt season, a horse must run, say, three, three minimum to get in the novice hurdles and all handicaps. Same for chasing hurdles, grade one, grade two, or grade three level at the festival. Any thoughts on, like, to try and boost field sizes, you know, on the road to Doncaster, um, you know, is is there is, is there any is there any mileage in his comments, Lorne, What we what we're saying? Don't know. 
maybe. I don't know what effect that would have on on, on the programme book or the way trainers campaign horses, but I don't know. I mean, I, I probably don't know enough about that aspect of comment, but but it, but it but it might be an idea. I mean, I don't know. John, what would would there be a drawback in that from from an insider's point of view? Would would that cause trainers particular problems, or, or oh, do you think it's a good idea? Well, thinking about it, because he has the novice. Yes, he's, I don't think that many novices come to the festival unexposed to that that extent. I mean. I, I think, uh, John, uh, I think Damiano's comment, sorry, I, I probably didn't explain it well enough, that he, he, he thinks that they should be have probably two or three runs maybe at grade one, two or three level before turning up, at, in other words, to boost the, the these crap graded races that we have, you know, that where we end up with four runners. Um, he's, he's, he's saying that maybe to fill those grade ones, two, threes. But then don't we get the situation where we get a Bob Ollinger maybe turning up and then and then everyone else just decides, well, we're not off anyway. Absolutely. Yeah. Good though. Yeah. Ruby Walsh did highlight this and he said the, the it's a real difficult scenario to try and do because obviously if Bob Ollinger turns up, you know if you want to beat him, you're probably going to leave your race there and not at your target, which is probably turning up at Cheltenham on the day for the owners to say, you know, we're having, a, you know, we're going for the Ballymore, you know, ooh, we're excited. And then obviously Bob Ollinger turns up and then you go, well, you know, we're going to have to run to 160 to beat this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what's yeah. the point kind of thing? And then punters are left short again when they think, well, this is a nice horse and this this could trouble Bob Ollinger, but then connections might go, well, well, you know, <laughs> we don't really fancy it today. And and then again, you've got the punters moaning after the race, saying, "Well, well, nice of them, ni- nice of them to se- nice of them to set off in fourteenth place, and then oh. make ground into fourth late on." You know, and, oh, and yeah. you've got the same. These graded races, things that seem to be the problem. They have the scope to alter the. No, I mean they don't have to beat graded races, do they? I mean they can turn them into limited handicapped, whatever. If if the year on year they're not getting supported, alter the makeup of the race. But John, it's like flat racing. If 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 a group race or or a listed race isn't getting the support, it gets downgraded. Hence yeah. the Hillary Needler. You know, if it's not getting the right sort of rating of horse in the race, or you know, they're not getting the support, yeah, that I mean, race becomes downgraded. And it was always supported in his race, wasn't it? Because mm. it was a mad scramble for an easy bit of black tape. And again, we, we talk about like Mark Mackay's point: the the spring festivals are the problem for the national hunt racing. That tra- right, Irish trainers are looking at Punchestown. And so, and some will say in February, no, we're not going to Cheltenham. We're saving it for Punchestown. And then you've got other trainers saying, no, Cheltenham's the plan. And it's just built around literally two festivals, Punchestown, or if you've got like a staying chaser, in general, it's Aintree. And like you, John, I think, John, you've said it to me privately, and and you've said they may as well start the national season in February. The national, the, the national game, I think, has problems the way it's going. It not, it's not always had problems. Because as I said, I, I, th- I think in the past, and I'm speaking from experience, and somebody can put me wrong, but from past experiences, trainers weren't that bothered if they turned up and the horse got beat. Look at Desert Orchid. Just, just, just go on Racing Post website. Look at Desert Orchid's career. It could turn up. It could turn up in a in a, in a Jim Ford. It could turn. It could turn up anywhere, and the horse might get beat and just run miles below form. David Ellsworth was wasn't bothered. He knew what he knew what he got. 
as targets for the horse. He knew he wanted to win King George's. He knew he wanted to probably win at Aintree, knowing he wasn't. I mean, the, the Cheltenham Gold Cup win was probably a fluke in the end. But at the end of the day, trainers have targets. And the Irish, even though, like, we, as a, as a podcast, we've been critical of the Magic Carrots for, for a while, which we know goes off. We You can't deny it. It's a waste of time. That aside, the Irish are very, very good at working out what what plan they've got for the horse. They'll think, well, you know, if we win this, we win it. We're not really bothered, but we'll just carry on running the horse, planning, plan, you know, but this this is the target. Towards the end of the season, this is the race, this horse will win. And it's like that, that that's what it, more English trainers should do. And, and I think that's where, you know, Running, running at home in in the box on the on the Newbury gallops is not acceptable for for national hunt fans in this country that want to see horses run. And if Shishkin turned up in the Tingle Creek and got dicked twenty lengths by a Mullins horse, who cares? You you shouldn't care that much. It's just how it is. You know, you've then got to, as a punter, you've got to go forwards and view it as right. We've got to be back to the you know, but that horse's running left there you know that's the that's the point we, we we try to win races november december january but like john says he comes back to it do we start the national season in february we go on to the uh, next question which is uh due pontons which is more of a fun question which he says who will own horses in the uk in 10 years uh, are small fields now linked to less horses what are the positives of owning a horse in the uk and what would your two trainers each jumps and flat be to send a horse to um, we've had these with sort of like who we send trainers before, but John, who, who would you who would you send a horse to over jumps? None of them. <laughs> Where does he try? Wouldn't have horse in training as a present. I wouldn't. No. Just pretend no, for the purposes of the question. Just pretend uh, uh, you won the lottery. All right, you won the lottery, and you had to have horse in training. Yeah. Who, who would you stick uh, with? Was that a condition of winning the lottery, having to have a horse in training? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you wouldn't buy a ticket. It must be man not to not to buy a ticket. To be honest, I honestly don't know that there is nobody I could honestly say I could sit here and wish I had a horse in training with. I'll, I'll be absolutely honest with you. I think it's an absolute money pit these days. And, and honestly, outside of the, the, the top boys, I, I really don't know why anybody bothers with it. I can speak from experience. I've done my bollocks. I mean, I mean, literally, earning horses, I've done my absolute bollocks. I mean, we're not talking five, ten thousand. We're talking, you know, I've, I've done six figures plus earning horses. And some never see the race cause, some. You know, it it's an it is it, like John says, it's an absolute money pit because this just isn't about the purchase price. It isn't like going to the sales and saying, "Oh, we bought a nice type here for ten thousand. You know, literally, you can have an horse in training for two years, sometimes three years, even, and and you're waiting for a run. And yeah. that brings us nicely onto our next subject, which is Dan Skelton. Oh yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah, L- lawn as well. I've Twitter got. Today. This is why you pay me the big money, boys. This it is, is. The, the, the gem. You it is because this, this is useful for punters. It's a long time between drinks, but I tell you what, you go back and have a little look at a, a, a tiny it. yard called Tom Weston over the sticks. Now you'll yeah. laugh. You see, he has one. He has a winner every pancake day. But when they shorten considerably in the market, he does not miss. I'm telling you, you, have a look, have a proper dig through, 
and he, they will land two or three touches every year. And I tell you, he reminds me of Richard Newland before everybody cottoned onto him. Right. So you get big springers that piss up and eventually the market will cotton onto him and it'll get better owners, better horses and the market will, will, will adjust accordingly. But Tom Weston, I think is very sharp. I agree. I, 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 you know, I, if punters haven't cottoned on yet, they might have. But, but as Don't I said, they it, have no. They, they, they no. go off sort of treble figure prices when they're out for a run, and even when they're at it, you know, you're still talking double figure price. every time. Yeah, they are definitely worth keeping an eye on. And when they collapse in the betting, nine times out of ten, they're there or thereabouts. They're a sharp yep. little outfit. Thank you for reminding me there, John, um, because, yes, that was Lorne's uh, big moment of the show. Yeah, that other was than, it. I've peaked now. Yeah, other, other than his highlight of polishing the Volvo. That yeah, was yeah the... <laughs> exactly. The, the Chevy Impala with the, with the jacked-up front, yeah. Tom Weston, yep. for, our punters, for our punters and listeners there, from Lorne, uh, he's, he's a man to Twitter. Play. Tag him in. You might DM us a bit of info for Christmas if we set him one up. Get, yeah. get him tagged in. Don't want to yeah. double the eggs this way. Yeah, you see, come on, Tom. Yeah. Is it a buzzer? Let us know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we I know, I'm, I'm told we've got a few trainers listening to this podcast. I'm, I'm told Stuart Williams is one of them. He likes he likes the banter. Don't like him. He's we, the guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> poor Stuart. Veach has gone elsewhere. <laughs> Yeah. Late question from Helen Sheridan, who who is who is a fantastic. I always like getting Helen's questions out because she's she's active on Twitter with us. We like that, and she says the article re top jobs in racing being a closed shop, basically bonus points for any anecdote served with boiling piss and vinegar. <laughs> Helen loves this. I mean, I mean, top jobs in racing, closed shop, John. I mean, wait. <laughs> I, uh... Once I did actually apply for a job in racing, believe it or not. I thought you, I thought you were going to stop once you applied for a job. No. <laughs> <laughs> Coronation um, programme seller, wasn't it? And it, it, it was with Racing Welfare, and I forget what it was doing now. It was a fairly cushy sit-down anyway. And they asked me to go down to the Jockey Club rooms for the interview, and it all went terribly well until this work experience got from the... AHA decided to show us around the, the jockey club rooms. And they were somewhat taken aback that I could identify nearly every derby when they're on the wall in the big dining room. <laughs> well, he was reading, reading them off a card. And then uh, during lunch, the, the conversation turned to racing politics. Well, if you've seen the fast show where you've got that bloke who makes an ill judged comment and then said, I'll get me caught. Uh, yeah. that, that, that kind of summed up the rest of the selection there, to be honest. Um, you know, it, it all went swimmingly well. But, uh, did, you, did you get the job? No. Funnily no. <laughs> enough, I didn't even get a letter telling me to piss off. It was just a case of will be in touch. And, uh, I suppose technically I'm still waiting for him to get in touch. Well, you know, beyond the bounds with the BHL, still making the men's. Keep checking the post box. You never know. You might get some good news this week. This is true, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. 
I, I mean, regarding Alan's question, I, I just think if, if you're racing looks for a certain type of character and he, he literally is that over the, your skills, it, it is. Honestly, that's why we're in the mess we're in because it literally is the character and probably who you know rather than your skills. And that's been since the dawn of time. Good question. We move on to the Dan Skelton affair, which was in the Times today. And just to clarify for our listeners, this this is where Dan Skelton had got uh, a nice set of owners and they were asked to buy a horse uh, in France that was that was apparently, you know, a flying machine. And um, uh, it was £130,000. And the owners that, you know, was very, very, very keen uh, on on. on on, on buying on on Dan's recommendations, etc., and the bloodstock agent who had recommended the horse to them, so they bought the horse. They it passed the vet's exam. Then it basically found to have heat in its legs after that 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 vet vetting, if you like. And then it got more severe because after that, the horse in question was called George Gently, and it uh, you know it promised as a flying machine. Obviously, they beat they beat. In a, in a nutshell, they'd been sold up. What happened was um, they, they got in touch. With, they did. Uh, they, 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 <laughs> they did. They had some success with Skelton. I mean, let's be right. You know, the, the, yeah. they had they, they had they had they had some winners with Skelton. It, you know, it wasn't all bad. But when they got in touch with the Bloodstock agent, regards to potentially another free horse or a discounted <laughs> horse to put to 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 replace this absolute pop they'd bought which was sold for 1800 pounds it was the the bloodstock agent spilled the beans that dan skelton had got a th- he owned a third in the horse and all of a sudden no he doesn't own a third it was all it was all left pretty sour um and he and he ended up with with a payment was made after the week of sale to, to skelton but it was claimed for training fees forty two thousand and thirty three pounds uh, which wasn't from the Skelton training fee account. It was from another subsidiary of, of Dan Skelton. The, the, it basically this was this was a fee that they paid, you know, supposedly for training fees, and that was Dan's share. That so basically Dan had had taken basically forty thousand pounds like profit, if you like, from from the owners. In, in in other words, it was like kickback. You know, selling this horse and da- good old Dan gets 40 40 grand for selling them this horse now to me the article um might shock some but to me is isn't this thing in racing pretty common john lawn malvo is is this is this i think i think i mean look i think it's obviously we need to point out that 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 it's still being litigated and that's obviously the the claimant's position that's what they allege and obviously Dan Skelton and his legal team will advance a different case and that case may or may not come before the courts. Uh, The the likelihood is it will be settled at some point as most pieces of commercial litigation are across every industry. And, you know, in in any industry, businesses and people fall out all the time. I mean, that's just just the way of it. But but I think, uh, I mean, you guys would know better than me as to whether this sort of thing, if it's true, it is commonplace. But the thing that stood out for me was not the fact that, you know, a business is in dispute with one of its customers, because that's what essentially this is. It's the relative silence or even absolute silence of our own so-called journalists that it's taken a, an, an outsider 
to you know to highlight this and discuss it. Uh, and I think I think that's the most despicable aspect of it, not the dispute, because of course we don't know the facts, and you know Dan's game might very well be in the right here. Who knows? But the fact is that the TV, the journalists, other podcasts, no one's picked up on it, and I, I just think it's either they're out of the loop which is quite possible, but then you've got to ask yourself why, why are the industry journalists not aware of this or why have they decided not to report on it? And I think I know the answer to it. And I think it's let's not rock the boat because everything's great. And that, that, that's my take on it rather than, <laughs> rather than this because it's a, it's a commercial dispute, you know, so what business fall out with all the time, but why is it taken an outsider in quotes to, to, to highlight it that, that, you know, you, you think our journalists will be shame-faced, but they don't seem yeah. to be, do they? Indeed. So, so John, like Luke Harvey, everything's great. <laughs> I did tell him to be my positive about things, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, mind you, you know, he was never, ever going to be anything other than positive about a Frankie the Tory film, yeah. you know. <laughs> I, I think I said that I'd had more chance of getting a hand job off the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders team than him saying anything other than it was brilliant, but... He didn't comment on that, funnily enough. Yeah, absolutely. If, if there's not cocaine and hookers in Frankie the Story film, I'm not watching it. No. 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 <laughs> no interest. No interest. But, but I think no. the, point, the point that that our correspondent raises, I, I, look, a business dispute, well, so what? You know, but, but I think the fact it hasn't been reported elsewhere is, I think, the most disappointing aspect of it, really. It, yeah. looks, it looks to me like the BHA haven't been came to know very much about it as well, don't they? No, you know, no. the fact that it's, yeah. you know, they to us out that the BHA could have not necessarily mediated, but got involved and sorted this out to everyone's satisfaction. Really not, you know, I mean, so sound of trouble and BHA behind the set, yeah. I mean, what, what, what level of damage is they're claiming? I mean, what, can, what were the figures that are involved? What have they lost out by? I mean, how much? How much? Was well, 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 well. Uh, Obviously, they're saying that the that the, that the hundred and thirty thousand fee was was set. I mean, I mean, basically, in a nutshell, the BHA rules was that Skelton, as a trainer, should have disclosed his financial interest in the horse. So once the Bloodstock agent made them aware that yeah, Skelton owns some of this, right? That 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 that's where the BHA really should be saying more on this because this is breaking BHA rules big time. You you if you have to declare that you've got a stakeholder stakeholder in that horse, uh, Skelton denies this. Obviously, yeah. like you said, like you say, yeah. uh, Lorne, it's an ongoing legal case. But as I've said, it's a very unsavoury affair. And 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 from my experience, as I said, we, we've had we've had instances like this. We know what the sales are like when you know you've got an out of towner wanting to buy a horse. You know, we'll go to the sales. You meet two or three people. We know what happens. They bid the horse up. They all they all take little you know little buns for themselves. That that's that exists it still exists to this day, and that's how it is. That's you know, but come racing, as Big Mac used to say. <laughs> yeah, I mean the, the, the claimants are obviously exorcised by this. I mean, if if the article's to believe, they've spent a hundred and twenty grand on legal fees. That that strikes me as bananas because you know. If you're spending that kind of money, the rule of thumb is to make a, a, a sort of a piece of litigation work from a commercial basis. You've got to be looking at a, a sort of a damages to cost ratio of 10 times. So either they are suing him for 1.2 million, which is unlikely, or 
they're going to come out of this doing the money. Because when you're spending that kind of cash, you've got to have a real big upside. You've got to question who's advising them to spend 120 grand on a dispute that's probably not worth anything like 1.2 million. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the other thing is, I mean, obviously, Skelton might be paying these legal fees if he loses. Yeah, no, 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 he he will be because under sort of the the English loser pays, and of course, the claimant will have after the event insurance, which means if they lose, they pick up Skelton's tab. But, but, but. To go to to push a case, hoping to win at trial and get your costs back is bonkers, you know. So so, mm. so my, my my guess would be that as this proceeds nearer to trial, you know, if if it gets a, a judge appointed, you know, they'll be pushed down the road of mediation and they'll do a deal of some sort, which will be some degree of damages plus you know a, an element of costs. But I, I would be amazed if the claimants come out with anything more than their money back to be honest or those kind of numbers if i was advising them i'm not a lawyer but but you know if you want to spend 120 grand on something you know your damages have got to be over a million quid the only people that earn out of that are the lawyers not no. legal advice just as, as a caveat there but i i yeah i mean it's mad, it's mad. i mean they, they took they took all six horses out of the yard as well i mean, yeah. I mean so they obviously feel very strongly about this but anyway it's an ongoing yeah, legal sure, case we'll so dan skelton don't sue me don't, don't sue me for my for my assumptions. No, uh, no I've got no, I've got nothing. I've got absolutely we don't, nothing. We don't um, <laughs> so there's there's two things left. I mean, we, we could talk about the low sun on national hunt race courses, but we all know the problem that when when Britain built their race courses, they never thought about the direction of the sun at any point. Obviously, you know we, we are now reaping what we're sowing. But only thing I would say on low sun chaps, would we say that? Perhaps they could plan the race times a bit better. I've noticed recently they are doing, Lingfield tried to do it by having early chase races uh, the last meeting. Maybe there should be more planning, trying to work out the sun's position at said time. And, um, you know, if it is a sunny day, maybe maybe go earlier or later in the day with a chase race, etc., etc. Do Do we concur on that? I think today's events at Leicester with the sideways snow <laughs> calls it all into question, doesn't it? I mean, anybody riding in that last race at Leicester today, I mean, if they had goggles on, they were, they were full of snow after about five strides down the back. Yeah. So, I mean, they're, 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 they're using the force. Fantastic. I like that. Use of the force. Yeah. Some jockeys actually believe in that, I reckon. Uh, Especially after an art on the town. Anyway, yeah. on, on to our last two subjects. Very briefly, I'll just I'll just go on about um single customer view that's looming. To be honest, this is a a, a subject that's close to my heart because obviously it's what I do for a living. So it's annoying. A single customer view, chaps, if this is brought in by the um the bookmakers, which seem to be in charge at the moment, right? Let let these are going to be bookmakers are going to be arbiters in your future of betting and let that sink in right you might be sat there now thinking it doesn't affect me it doesn't affect me let me tell you this if if you've got seven or eight betting accounts if bet 365 deem you as a problem gambler because let's say you might have gone on tilt one day which god forbid 95 percent of punters do and they deem you as a problem gambler, that gets shared with every single operator. And they, they have the power then to say, right, you're a problem gambler with Bet365. They've been highlighted. 
Paddy Power bet, you know, also right across the board, you then cannot get a bet for love and the money because you're deemed a problem gambler. The, the we are in very, very serious times with this. I, I do urge people to be aware of this, write to their MPs, because this has come in very silently, like one of those really silent planes that you don't hear about, you know, these military planes that you you just don't, it's top secret. It, this is what's happening. It's under your nose, and and only time you'll complain about it is when it happens. You've got to do it before it happens, and this is the problem. You, you, you know, you will lose your accounts. If they, if one single one operator says you're a problem gambler, you will not get a bet for love and money online under any betting account under single customer view because they can view your data. They can view your bets on Bet365. They can view your 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 history. Yeah, we're already getting it with affordability checks. This is really serious times for betting in this country. You know, the BHA are powerless. They can't do anything on this. The bookmakers have taken over. This literally is it. Um, the betting exchange is injured. Uh, it provides a tissue for these bookmakers, and that's enough for them. They've, they get the tissue. The betting exchange is fractured. For example, if you're under 25, you've got a £500 deposit limit on the month, and you can win £10,000 before you have to pay a premium charge. So if you win £10,000 with Betfair, you are then going to pay 20% of your winnings after that. Come racing. I mean, is this what is this what we're about as a society? No, it's not. This is control, and this is bad for racing. And the sooner you wake up, and the sooner you write to your MP, and tell tell them of the problems, and let these government officials and quangos know that this is not an acceptable uh, way in any shape or form to continue racing. There are solutions. There are better solutions than this, but they aren't listening. And we're going to get this solution of single customer view. They're already going to trial it. It's going to be trialed. It's going to. It's actually going to be trialed. And these are serious. This is serious stuff for betting. This is serious stuff for the levy. But no one's looking at it. Why? Because because it's not. It's not. It's not made public. It's not in the news. It's not. It's not in day to day news. Read Lee Motter's head articles in the Racing Post. You'll understand more if you read Lee Motter's head. Some good articles on there. And I urge you to read them because this is very, very serious times for betting and for racing. Right. One final subject, chaps. Uh, masks at race courses. Um, Graham Cunningham did a poll um, on, on his Twitter Twitter account. 58% in the end from 700 participants said no masks at race courses. And today we have the news that Baldy Betfred has brought in uh, VAC passes at Chelmsford, in, and not just back passes at Chelmsford, by the way. It's not the old scanner do day with the barcode to say I've had two two jabs of the the older uh, COVID vaccine. No, 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 no. It's your identification as well, so you can't use your mates. I mean, Lorne, John, what is the world coming to? I wouldn't have a runner at Chelmsford I, I, after this, and I certainly wouldn't attend Chelmsford. What are you two's uh, thoughts on this? Wouldn't go anywhere near Chelmsford just on the basis of that bald twatter on his. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I don't go to college at Chelmsford. I have to go twice a week to take her, so I'm well, well <laughs> familiar, well familiar with the area. I, I mean, I suppose with, with Cunningham's polls, you know, it was margin. Well, what is it, sixty forty against wearing masks? I, I think, I think before the recording, Lee made a good point that you know, lots of 
elderly race goers are very yes are very like to be in favour. And I and I shop at not Thornton and Mason, gents. I shop at Morrison's, right? And the demographic around my area is is, is old compliant people. And I, I feel like a dangerous rebel wandering around Morrison's without a mask on because literally everybody over the age of sort of fifty uh, is wearing a mask round here. Uh, and yeah, so I think yeah. I think that's very that speaks to the, the age demographic. Uh, and I suppose if, if race goers are, you know, more senior uh, than it's maybe at football matches, then you're going to get blind compliance to it. So that, that doesn't surprise me, to be honest, that there's, you know, roughly 50 50 support for it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the thing, the thing for for me with mass is it, it, it's more it's not the issue of wearing one. It's the man, mandates. Once you get once you get mandatory, uh, and it's more to do with the government. Once once they start mandating things, um, we get we get more restrictions. There'll be there'll be something else. Like it, this doesn't stop. It 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 hasn't stopped for twenty months. It's carried on and on and on and on and on. People just want to crack on. I mean, on course bookmakers, for example, and I follow a really good account, Paul Johnson, bookmaker. Um, he's a northern bookmaker, uh, and he, he bets at Southall, he bets at various northern race courses. And, you know, these guys lost their living for literally, you know, a year. You couldn't, you couldn't attend a race course. You, you know, there's no bookmakers. They were, they, they, they were awful. And, and I, I just think, you know, th- these chaps don't need any more uncertainty. They've got staff to pay, et cetera, et cetera. Um, do, do they need any more like, restrictions so what's what how's chelmsford going to be affected attendance wise because of these restrictions are evac passes and identifications i hope nobody does yeah i i i feel sorry for the on-course bookies but i'm the same I, i'm thinking you know this these are measures that are too far they, they, they really are too far for, for where we're at we need to be looking to progress to come out of this and to be honest uh people suffered enough and I, th- I think i think there's enough now to say look we, we've had the vaccines that you know i don't want to go all COVID idiot don't follow my profile because i'm a complete COVID idiot but but at the end of the day it, it's all about just learning to crack on we need to crack on now this is it's pointless otherwise life's just not worth living we've got to to live enjoy and be safe be safe also and like like Lawrence is about the older older customers do you know what indoors i cope with that if they just said mass indoors um you know or, or if someone requested me to wear a mask in front of them i'd do it i'd probably do it um yeah. but, but face, not... really really <laughs> I know it's like one of those, like you know, like these goofy red, goofy rednecks in our camps. You know, oh, my mama said, you know. <laughs> yeah, my my mama's my sister. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so that's it. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so that's it. I mean, I mean, me and John won't go. Um, Lauren, would you go? Would you go to a mass uh, meeting with with, with back passes? Uh, I couldn't afford the petrol to get the Chelmsford in the Volvo, honestly. <laughs> fucking two hundred quid round. Your your nineteen nineties Volvo does about fourteen to the gallon. It, I'm it, told. It, it's a yeah, it's a repurposed hearse. That's what it is. Yeah, God. still runs on four star. It's so um, nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. John, anything to add before we finish? No, I'm all done. 
<laughs> I, I'm done by this 57% Tarquins. It's tremendous. But yeah, I, I hope you have enjoyed the show. Uh, Lorne Malvo's brilliant on this sermon. He's got he's got plenty of fan mail. And um, I, I hope you've enjoyed the show because I have with these two. Fantastic. And that's all from us. We're back on Friday with uh, Frank's. He's back. You'll be pleased the nap table leader that just shits winners. Um, you know, it's, it's like one of those like golden tickets where you just pull it out of the machine. It says winner. So Frank's is back, and uh, we've got a, we've got a new guest uh, coming on Friday, a very good national hunt judge. So hopefully you'll uh, enjoy uh, his tipping rather than ours. <laughs> <laughs> or Stuart Williams. It, 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 could, it, it could listen the way we've been tipping. It could be absolutely anyone. Could we, be we, Helen Keller and no other dogs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're drafting in new blood uh, for next Friday's show, so make sure you tune in for that. Bye for now.